0: Now, for the sermon today, we brought to us by our elder, Steve Andrews. For many years, I would grab a cup of coffee from the house or go to quick trip and get a cup of coffee and just this little short 20-minute drive to work, turn the radio on, listen to the local news, and zip right there and get busy. Well, my world has turned upside down. Now I still get the cup of coffee, but I have doubled the time in the car. Now when I listen to the local news... I'm appalled at how many times they repeat things. I didn't realize that it's over and over and over. The voices are screaming at me on my little journey to work now because it's twice as long as it used to be. And so the, the thought began to hit me, There's all kinds of voices out there. And I sure appreciate Reggie's message because it fits right in with what I'm going to say today. Those voices are influencing us. You know, the radio has a lot of voices, a lot of different things that are coming in over the radio. And if you have a short wave, you can get all over the world, international, everything, all kinds. Television. When I was a kid, television used to be three major sh- uh, channels and a maybe PBS. Now you can get a hundred plus channels. All kinds of things. I mean, when we had cable, I watched two of those channels, <laughs> and I got to think, wait a minute, I'm paying all this money for two channels. You now some people like sports and different things, but. Imagine television coming into your house with a hundred different things that you can watch. It's phenomenal. And all of the voices that come off of that, I mean, they're varied voices. And of course, guess what we're in this year? Politics, beginning in the political arena. And so we get all the political voices now. We get religious voices. And of course all of us are attached to the internet and cell phones. And they are a part of our life now that we hardly feel like we would be naked if we didn't have something connected with a cell phone and the text off of it or being able to hit that button that gets us into that world called the internet. Which I'll go I mean, you can get all kinds of things all over the, the world. It's a totally different age. It's a totally different age. But for us, brethren, there is really only one voice that should matter, that should direct our lives, guide our hearts and our minds. And that voice comes out of the book that you have sitting on your lap. It's called the Bible. And it comes from our Creator. And it's a voice that is a powerful and wonderful and strong voice that we should be very attentive to, especially in this day and age. A creator had a very special relationship with a nation called Israel. And he was particularly upset with that nation because they wouldn't listen to him. But he told them that they weren't going to listen to him because he was God and they were human beings. And they were going to change their minds and they were going to go a different way. But when he had gathered his nation together and he was talking to them, he had this to say to them in Exodus, the 19th chapter. It's the heavenly voice that we should also pay attention to. And it's beginning in verse 5. He says, now, therefore, now, therefore, if... Pastor Gregory has always said, always be cognizant of that word, if, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom, a priests, a holy nation. These are the words of which you shall speak unto the children of Israel. If you will obey my voice. It's kind of interesting. The word um, obey in that is Shamah, And it means to hear intelligently you know the old cartoons where there's somebody speaking over here and it's coming in this air and going out that air is sometimes the way that we listen isn't it? We don't pay attention to what is being said, or we don't listen when we're reading what God says. And that was the case with the children of Israel. It's interesting that God told them. That you are a peculiar people. You have a special place in my heart. But you must obey my voice. And of course the words, the voice is just giving that information to them and being there and talking to them. God says in Psalms 119, or David, the psalmist, said, Thy word, God's word, is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. This this book is so very wonderfully written. It is one of a kind. It can teach, guide, lead, encourage, strengthen, Anything and everything that a physical human being needs is voiced in God's holy word. We're influenced, as we heard in the first message, by many things and especially by Satan. i got only two places that I want to cover here to, to, to add to what Reg said. Ephesians the second chapter in just one verse. Because the broadcast is going out and it continues to go out, and it hasn't quit since Eve heard the the message what, six thousand years ago, how many ever say almost 7, 000, 6, 000, almost six thousand years ago. It says in verse 2, Ephesians 2 verse 2, Where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. So there's a spirit out there that's working all the time, constantly, in this world. And that spirit comes from Satan. And it's a powerful message that he broadcasts. And it's very influential. And there are our children of disobedience. But that's not supposed to be us. We are supposed to be the children of righteousness who follow the voice of God and live His way. There is a way we know that. There is a way to overcome Satan. There is a way to win over Satan. And it's found in Matthew, the fourth chapter, because our Savior won. And I always like to go here when I talk about Satan because this is so encouraging. Because we have the power. Jesus showed us that we have the power over Satan. Satan. All it takes is the right voice. Then Jesus was led up in the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The Spirit led him into the wilderness to actually be tempted of this being. And William fasted 40 days and 40 nights. He was afterwards hungry. hungry. And the tempter came unto him and said, If... Even Satan likes the word, if. If you be the Son of God, command that these stones be made into bread. And he answered and said, it is written, man shall live by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I'll get it right yet. (laughs) Jesus quoted it correctly, even though I misquoted it. Jesus quoted it correctly, right out of Deuteronomy, the eighth chapter, and verse 3. It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Isn't that interesting? A power that we have, it is so profound that it can overcome Satan one of the most powerful evil, the most powerful evil being to exist in the universe today. Then the devil took him up into the holy city and set him in pinnacle of the temple and said unto him, If you be the Son of God, cast yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest at any time you shall dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said unto him, It is written, Again, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. Right out of Deuteronomy 6 and verse 16. Reaching out, grabbing the powerful word of God, the voice of God, and defeating Satan. Again, the devil took him up into a very exceedingly high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And he said unto him, All these things will I give you if you will fall down and worship me. If you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said unto him, You can go out that door right there. <laughs> you can leave right now. Get you hints. Go! Satan, for it's written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and Him only shall you serve. Him only shall you serve. Right out of Deuteronomy 6, verse 13. See the power power of the voice of God? The power against Satan. You know, even today, there is an influence of religious leaders maybe not quite as much as it used to be in times past but there's still an influence of religious leaders and sometimes because they don't use this book they use men's wisdom they use the wisdom of of uh, tradition and different things they influence people and their voice can be lies and can lead people astray we try to stick with the Word of God, but there's always those that would, you know, can influence people. Jesus. There were many that followed him around to catch him, to find out if they could trip him up, and they were religious leaders people that other people were following because of religious beliefs. In Mark, the 12th chapter, there's two incidents here that I would like to share with you. And I think both of them are quite interesting in the the light of the voices that were coming at Jesus. And of course, Jesus, He had the Word of God. He was able to stand up to these people. No matter who came up to Him, He was able to Bring out that truth that was there, that was part of him. That was he was the truth. He walked the truth. The word was in him all the time, and so when these people would come up and challenge him, he would give them the truth back. Verse thirteen, and they sent him, and they send unto him certain of the Pharisees. And of the Herodians, to catch him in his words. And when they came to them, they said unto him, Master, we know that you are true, and carest for no man; for you regard us not the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar, or not? See how their crafty little question. You know, some of us would, you know. If we got a crafty question like these people gave to Jesus, we we probably you know, move back a little bit and kind of have to scratch our head. But Jesus didn't. He knew how to answer these people. Shall we give or shall we not give? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, their hypocrisy, said unto them, Why, why are you tempting me? Bring me a penny, that I may see it. And they brought it, and he said unto them, Who is this image and superscription? And they said, It's Caesar's. And Jesus said, and answered unto them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. A very simple truth. He showed them the truth. Then lest you think that he got out of that one real easy. Then came he unto him the Sadducees, which they say there is no resurrection. So here we have a real conflict. Religious leaders that are denying that anybody is resurrected, even though it's a fact of the Old Testament and everything uh, that is preached in, the, in God's Word. And they asked, saying, Master Moses wrote, and so they wanted to make it real complicated. <laughs> they didn't want to just come up and ask him about the resurrection. They wanted to make it really complicated. He said, So here's what they do. Master Moses wrote unto us, If a man's brother die and leave his wife behind him and leave no children, that his brother should take his wife and raise up seed unto his brother. Now there are seven brethren. And the first took a wife and dying left no seed. Second, Took her and died, neither left he any seed. And the third likewise. And the seven had her and left no seed. Last of all, the woman died also. Wow. They really wanted to make it complicated. So they said, in the resurrection, therefore, when they shall rise, whose wife shall she be of them? For the seven had her to wife. And Jesus answering said, Do you not therefore err because you know not the Scriptures, neither the power of God? For when you for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels which are in heaven. So he just squashed the whole thing. <laughs> just put a, a null on all of it. So, so that when they rise up, there is a resurrection, he says. That's the first thing he said when they rise up. So this is the first thing he nulled. They don't believe in the resurrection, but God says, you know, Jesus said there is a resurrection. So when they rise up, they neither marry nor are given a marriage. There's the angels in heaven. And it's touching the dead that they rise. Have you not read in the book of Moses how in the, how in the bush God spoke unto him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, and here's the other. He just, he just squashed them down completely. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He's not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You therefore do greatly err. They had no way when they would come against Jesus. The voice of truth was in his heart and his mouth. And he understood these people and what they were all about and their religious hypocrisy and their Ill, their their traditions and the and the teachings that were so some of them were so anti-biblical as to teach there was no resurrection even though the bible even the old testament taught the resurrection interesting the voices of even religious people sometimes we live in a godless atheistic age it seems like and the atheistic voice seems to be getting louder and louder and louder I know I harp on it enough a lot but it seems like it's so pervasive in this society today and it seems to be such a part of anything that is produced in Hollywood or anything that comes down to to us and it's very hard sometimes to just even want to listen to anything because it is becoming so pervasive, and so it is so corrupting our society because it's taking away all the morality, the godly morality. In Psalms, the fourteenth chapter, and I didn't realize it until I looked this up, but this is quoted twice in the Psalms. It's quoted, quoted once in Psalms, the fourteenth chapter. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that does good. They are corrupt, and they've done abominable works. And there's none that does good. When they throw out the true God, and they begin... To believe that we came from pond scum and other things. There's no limit to what they can do or what they want to do. I mean, they take human DNA and put it uh, into something like a monster and make it. And they can do that. And God will judge this world because of the things that the scientists are beginning to do. The Lord looked down upon the, from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. And I think God is looking on us. Down upon this nation to see if there's anyone that's seeking God, that's seeking Him. They've all gone astray. They're all together become filthy. There's none that does good. No, not one. What a situation that would be. Or is it becoming that way in this nation now? I don't know. That's why we need to have a good, solid grip on God's Word and hear His voice and obey His voice and not allow us to go astray. Just to prove the same thing was in 53. Psalm 53. Verse 1 The fool has said in his heart, There is no God. Corrupt are they, and have done abominable iniquity. There's none that does good. It must be very important when God repeats it or has it repeated in his word. The fool, today, there's many of those in this society. While we're in Psalm, let's go to Psalm 19. Verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night shows knowledge. The point is, the heavens declare the glory of God. Verse 1. And of course, Job, the 38th chapter, at the end of his dissertation, and all the things that were said. God chastises him in verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkens the council by words without knowledge? And that's what I think of atheists and evolutionists. They're scientists that study and deny. They deny the facts. They deny the truth. They see it. They deny it. And they are the ones who darken counsel by words without knowledge. Gird up now your loins like a man, for I demand you and answer you me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if you have understanding. Well, scientists have been trying to figure out why this exists in the first place. This marvelous place that we exist on, and the marvelous universe that we see, and all the power that's out there. I mean, there's tremendous amount of power. We don't even understand the forces completely that are that are, that are out in that universe, and yet we want to believe there is no God? Well, God goes on and on and on, and His words of truth finally brought Job to his knees and asking forgiveness for the things that he had been thinking and saying. In Jeremiah, the 11th chapter, after many, many things had happened to the nation of Israel, God reminds them through Jeremiah that what he had said before, about obedience and the things that needed to be said beginning in verse 3 and he said unto them thus says the Lord God of Israel cursed be that man that obeys not the words of this covenant which I commanded your fathers in the day that I brought you out of the land of Egypt from the iron furnace saying obey my voice obey my voice and do them according to all which I command you, so shall you be my people, and I'll be your God. What a, what a wonderful thing that God had set out for them. They were going to be a peculiar nation to all of the other nations. They were going to be a shining light, an example to all the world. God's people. That I may perform the oath which I had sworn unto your fathers to give them in the land flowing with milk and honey. And I said... So be it, O Lord. And you said, so be it, O Lord. Then the Lord said unto me, Proclaim all these words in the cities of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem. Hear you the words of this covenant, and do them. For I earnestly protested unto your fathers in the day that I brought them up out of the land of Egypt. Even unto this day, rising early, protesting, saying, Obey my voice. Obey my voice. Listen to me. It's the only voice that makes any difference in this world. For... Yet they obeyed not, nor inclined their ear, but walked every one in the imagination, his own evil imagination, and his evil heart. Therefore I'll bring upon them all the words of this covenant, which I commanded them to do, but they did not do them. And the Lord said unto me, A conspiracy is found among the men of Judah and among the inhabitants of Jerusalem. They are turned back to the iniquities of their forefathers which refused to hear my words, and they went after other gods to serve them. The house of Israel and the house of Judah have broken my covenant, which I made with their fathers. Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon them, which they shall not be able to escape. And though they shall cry unto me, I will not hearken unto them. Then shall the cities of Judah and and the inhabitants of Jerusalem go and cry unto the gods, unto whom they offer incense, but they shall not save them. (laughs) Because they're not God. They're inanimate objects made by hands, cut out of trees, made by, you know, whatever. They make these things, and then they bow down and they worship them. Or they make an ideology, and they... They bow to that ideology. And they don't believe in the in God. According to the number of the cities which thy gods, O Judah, according to the number of the streets of Jerusalem, have you set up altars to that shameful thing, even altars to burn incense into Baal? Therefore pray not you for this people. Neither lift up a cry or prayer for them, For I will not hear them in the time that they cry unto me for their trouble. And that's really sad. I hope that doesn't come to this nation. That day may be coming very soon. We may pray, and God may not be listening. He may allow things to happen in this country because of our sins because of our iniquity we're a great and wonderful nation we had founding fathers who believed and wanted this nation and the people in it to be free and have influence on the world in a special way and I I feel bad that we're going the way that Israel is always noted in going in worshiping false idols and, and. And and becoming very immoral. When they when they made the golden calf, it was a calf that they could bow down to and do immoral things before. Whereas God had commandments that told them that this is not what you're supposed to be doing. You are not supposed to be doing that. There's a voice of one crying in the wilderness. That first one was a man by the name of John. It's in John, the first chapter. John the Baptist, beginning of verse nineteen. And this is the record of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, "Who are you?" You know, you you would you know you got to expect this from these guys. And he confessed and denied not, but confessed, "I'm not the Christ." And they ask him, what then? Are you Elijah? Because of the prophecy. We know in the prophecies in in, uh, Malachi 4, verse 5, about Elijah to come before that great and dreadful day. And he said, no, I'm not Elijah. Are you the prophet? And he said, no. "Are, are, Are you that prophet? And he said, no. And they said unto him, who are you? That we may give an answer to them that sent us. What sayest you of yourself? What are you? Who are you anyway? You're out here in these old ragged clothes, and, and well, I mean, they were good, good quality, but it looked kind of strange. And, you know, he didn't shave or his hair wasn't cut because he had taken that vow, and he was preaching some hard stuff. And so they came out and they asked him, Well, who are you? And he says, I am the, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make straight the way of the Lord, said the prophet Isaiah. And you can go and look at that in, in the book of Isaiah, in 40, verse 1. And they were, so sent were of the Pharisees, and they asked him and said unto him, Why baptize you then, if you be not the Christ, nor Elijah, neither that prophet? And John answered and said, Saying, I baptize with water, but there's standing one among you whom you know not. He it is who is coming after me, is preferred before me, whose shoes latchet I am not worthy to unloose. These things were done in uh, Beth Abara, however you pronounce that, beyond Jordan, where John was baptizing. And the next day, that very next day, after John had explained this to them, I'm not the Christ, I'm not Elijah, I'm the one that's crying in this wilderness. There's so much that needs to be, you know, you, the, the Christ is coming. The Christ is here. It's interesting. That there's voices in this wilderness today that are crying out that Christ is coming the second time to this earth. Now, there may be one man, Elijah, or there may be... I don't know how that prophecy will will pan out or come come about, but the Bible does say that there will be another crying in the wilderness. A shaking of this nation. A shaking of the world before that day that Christ returns to this earth to let everyone know. He said, The next day John saw Jesus coming unto him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man which is preferred before me, for he was before me. And I knew him not, but that he should be made manifest to Israel. Therefore I am come baptizing with water. And John bore record, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it abode upon him. And I knew him not, but he that sent me to baptize with water, the same said, Upon whom you shall see the Spirit descending, and remaining on him the same, is he which baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I saw... And I bore record that this is the Son of God. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. We are still crying in the wilderness. We are still crying in the wilderness. This time, when Christ returns, will be with power and glory. The kingdom of God will come. That's what Jesus, when he began to walk on this earth, in in Mark, the first chapter, that's the thing that he preached, the kingdom of God. Mark, the first chapter, in just two verses here. Now, after that John was put in prison, Jesus came unto Galilee preaching the good news of the kingdom of God. He came preaching and teaching the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe this good news. Believe the gospel. And so that was the message. The voice that's been going out since Christ walked on this earth is the kingdom of God is coming. Man says, oh no, it's not going to come. But we believe because of the word... The voice of God has told us we believe that that kingdom is coming to this earth. Right now, He is calling. He is calling many people so that we'll be a part of that kingdom. We'll have a position, a service in His kingdom. Are we hearing His voice? Are we ready? Are we anxious to be a part of that kingdom to be a part of the solution to the world's problems because by the time that Christ returns mankind will be on the brink of extinction and the good news is that that kingdom will stop all of that and his glory his power will be here on this earth and it'll change the way that men think and they will at that time hear the voice in John the 6th chapter they asked Jesus something very profound and I've read this many times but I've always thought it was a very interesting statement that Jesus made someone asked him "What shall we do that we might work the works of god well, that's a that's a very good question. What is it that we should do that we might work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe on whom he has sent. You believe on whom he has sent. His words, his actions, the fact that he is bringing it's a work of salvation, it's a work of hope, It's a work of truth. It's a powerful work that Jesus started on this earth. And it continues to this day. Various ones who the Spirit is dwelling in are preaching and teaching and continue to teach Jesus' words. And do the work that God wants us to do, which is to believe in the one whom he sent. It is a voice that is wonderful and powerful and a good voice for each of us to hear. Jesus taught many things, but it, and he said, the things that I teach are the things that the Father are telling me to teach you. He's telling me that this is what you need to know. You, you go to the Beatitudes, and those are the things that we need to know. All of those lessons... That he taught as he sat before those disciples are things that we need to know and that we need to act on and we need to live by. They are wonderful, they're powerful, as all the words of God are. But Jesus' words also have a tremendous effect if they're lived the way that he preached and taught them, and he lived them. So, what voice in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, for those who are young in this room and might be listening I would like to to part to to give you some advice because it's a very good advice for young children children verse 1 chapter 6 of Ephesians obey your parents listen to your parents yeah I know we're kind of old. (laughs) Sometimes we get gray hair. Sometimes we don't... Our joints and different things are kind of... But, we have a wealth of wisdom. And the other thing that we have, especially us who have God's Word and who believe this Word, we have the wisdom of God. We have the Proverbs and the Psalms and the wisdom of God. Children, obey your, your parents in the Lord. For this is right. It's good for for you to obey your parents and the Lord. It's good for you. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you. You may live long on this earth. Honor your mother and your father, that it may be well with you, that you that you may live long on this earth. And then it goes to Hand in hand, fathers, to not provoke your children. To use a gentle and loving hand when correcting and being with your children. Provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So there's admonition for the children and there's admonition for the parents and for the fathers and for those who have responsibility over God's gift to each of us who have children? What voice are we to listen to? Romans the eighth chapter. What voice should be, you be hearing? If you have God's spirit, you should be hearing God's truth being dwelling in you and pouring in and and flowing out as living water. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. We're not supposed to be that way. But they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity. That's an enemy against God. For it's not subject to the laws, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If that Spirit of God dwell in you, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And it says, If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. You're hearing the voice of God because the Spirit dwells in you. Listen to that voice. Obey God's voice that dwells in us. Each of us have that Spirit. If you've been baptized, if you believe. That God has given you his holy Spirit. be obedient to it. hear it, live by it. and I read this over and over because it's very important that we understand that there is a, there is a spirit in man and there's a spirit in God and with those together we have a great understanding in First Corinthians the second chapter, It's written, I has not seen, verse 9, nor ear heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love Him. But God has revealed it unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. It's a voice that's there constantly because it's a spiritual voice. That talks to us. That helps us to understand the world that we live in. We're modern people who live in a very... Um, noisy world. That's all I can say. It's just an extremely noisy world. And you've got to shuffle through all of that and get to the truth. And the only way to do that is with God's Word. And through the God's Holy Spirit that dwells in you. For what man knows the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knows no man. But the Spirit of God. Now we have <clears throat> we have not received we now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God that we may might know the things that are freely given to us of God. God freely gives these truths, these fantastic, profound wisdom truths freely to His children, who He's calling. For a great purpose in his kingdom. In conclusion, there's many voices out there. Lots of voices in this world today. And they're pitching their wares, aren't they? They're like hawkers. They're like salesmen. They're pitching their wares. Whether they be politicians or religious people or whatever. And you've got to sift through it. And we live in the world, so we have to listen to some of it. Can't put earmuffs on and ignore it completely. We live in the world. But there is one voice that we always must hear and we always must obey. And that voice is God and his son Jesus Christ through the word that he has given us, through the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. Now, this living, eternal word doesn't get transmitted uh, without some effort, does it? You have to open. You have to open. So each of us have to open. You know, the, the second thing we have to do is read. We have to read because if we don't read, we don't know. Or, you know, If it's a message that's being given, we have to hear. Then we have to believe, don't we? We have to believe the things that God is teaching us. The Word of God is eternal. It's, it gives us hope, makes us feel worthy. The religious message, I'm worthy. You know, this is what God's Word's all about. You're worthy to be an eternal being in my kingdom. My son, my daughter forever and ever. What's greater than that? What's more important than the voice of God telling us He loves us and wants us to be in His kingdom? And the last thing is to live it. Yeah, we can open the book. We can read it and we can believe. But if we're not living it, we're not showing the fruits that God is performing in our life. So we should be living God's Word. Brethren, there's a lot of voices. But what voice should we be listening to? The voice that matters. The voice of God.